Good morning. Good morning to those in the sanctuary and good morning to all those on Zoom. It is wonderful to be with you today to share God's word. Before we do that, let's just take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus, our Savior, Holy Spirit, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word. We trust, God, that this is your message, and we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear and know what you would have us hear and know. By the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. So this week, my family and I took some time to celebrate our newly formed ministry, Reclaim, which is one year old, as you saw on the video earlier. And it has been amazing to see what God has done over this past year. From what started in 2020 as a health crisis, putting me on a path toward healing, which ignited a stirring in my heart, and then our leap of faith. And I say our because this has been a family leap. Today we are reclaiming and creating calm spaces of connection with God, our neighbor, and ourselves, and this happens primarily online with some in-person work starting to happen in the neighborhoods. Thank you, River Park Church, for being on this journey with us. Collectively, we are participating in a huge vision. The Bible tells us that before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said to those gathered around him, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The phrase, the ends of the earth, appears 50 times in the Bible. And just as Jesus said in the next chapter of Acts, we witness the church being born by the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the people. On the day of Pentecost, this diverse group of Jesus' followers are gathered and then sent back to their neighborhoods to fill the earth with Christ's presence. Biblically, to the ends of the earth refers to as far as God extends under the heavens. It's a huge vision, and it's where Jesus' followers are still being sent in 2023. As my family and I were looking back at this past year through photos and videos, a highlight for all of us was our trip back to Thunder Bay this summer. What made this trip particularly interesting was that it was the first time we would be towing our trailer with us. 17 days and almost 5,000 kilometers later, we not only survived the trip, but we had a great time. In the world of science and psychology, there is a word used to describe humanity's innate desire for travel. It's referred to as wanderlust. Pointing back to our nomadic nature, when community groups would move from place to place and wander the land for survival, 
This nomadic nature is believed to be deeply embedded in humanity's psyche and contributes to our cravings to explore, move around, and see new places. Traveling offers us connection, fresh experiences, a chance to recharge, rethink, gain perspective. It's stimulating, memorable, and it's a way we attain satisfaction. And through the advances in technology, our travel and means of travel have, and discovering the world have become so accessible and almost commonplace. While Jesus lived on earth, he was quite a traveler, both as a young boy and throughout his ministry. He also regularly met people from all over who traveled to Jerusalem for the sacred festivals representing many nations. It is estimated that Jesus walked over 3,000 miles or 4,800 kilometers during his earthly ministry, and possibly as much as 21,000 miles or 34,000 kilometers in his lifetime. Now, this may not seem like a lot by Peloton standards. However, most writers noted that this was clearly a man on a mission, considering that Jesus died in his early 30s and the roads he traveled were dangerous, hot, dusty, and treacherous at times. Now, while we are invited to travel with Jesus to the ends of the earth, the Bible tells us that we have also been gathered from the ends of the earth. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah uses the phrase, the ends of the earth, 12 times in his 66-chapter book, where he eloquently eloquently points to Christ and our participation in God's mission. In chapter 41, verses 9 and 10 read, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Our God is a sending God and a God who gathers us, wonderfully drawing his people together, sometimes in ways we could never even imagine or consider. Over the past few years, how we gather as church and what it looks like to be sent into the harvest field has shifted. Ignited by a global pandemic, even as we settle into our new normal post-COVID, we find ourselves in the middle of ongoing crisis, both globally and at home, in our own lives and in our communities. Pastor Kerry Newworth shared an encouraging blog this week about church attendance as we head into 2024 with two of his five points regarding online church. He writes, Church online has proven to be quite robust. According to Pew Research, 27% of church attendees now rely on church online on a regular basis. 10% watch solely online, while a further 16% switch between in-person and streamed services. Additionally, 30% of Christians use the internet to search for information about their faith, 
and 21% use apps or websites that help them interact with Scripture. The good news is, for church leaders, for all of us, is that this provides a real growth opportunity. After all, everyone you want to reach is online. The answer to whether your church should have an in-person or online ministry in the future is simply yes. Even as we find our new normal, we find ourselves in a familiar tension. A tension that has often plagued the church throughout its history. The fine line between the desire for things to stay the way they were while understanding our invitation to join God on mission. Being a part of a huge vision, a vision that often pushes us out of our comfort zone and into uncertain and unfamiliar territory. A mission and vision that intentionally looks forward, points to a future glory, and is in constant motion of making all things new. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Imagine what the people listening to Jesus say these words that day must have thought. It's bold, future thinking, and invites all beings everywhere to experience a God of compassion, comfort, mercy, grace, and forgiveness. A God who gathers and sends. All of this meant to be reflected in and through and by the people who make up the body of Christ. As we look around at the state of our own denomination and the church as a whole in North America, the decline and damage are obvious. And what was once a place of refuge and safety, especially in times of crisis, has become for many unrelatable, confusing, and a place of hurt. As we wonder about a path toward healing and what the future of our present church may look like, I appreciate the hope found in these words by Canyon Neil Elliott. He writes in the Anglican Journal that this hybrid model is offering much hope in the rural areas I serve. Those who felt disconnected from communities and services are now suddenly feeling reconnected. Church structures are finding new ways to reach out. The acceptance of a shift to online services and meetings is solving problems we have struggled with for decades. I feel more confident about the future of the church locally and nationally than I have in many years. After so many losses, it is refreshing to hear these words about the church and our future, even if we're not feeling super hopeful right now. Elliot points to something vital here, saying there is an acceptance of a shift in this case, to online services and meetings. As the church locally and nationally, what would it look like to accept this shift to hybrid communities and where God may be inviting us to participate? One of the leading mindfulness coaches, John Kabat-Zinn, writes, acceptance doesn't by any stretch of the imagination mean passive resignation. Quite the opposite. 
It takes a huge amount of fortitude and motivation to accept what is, especially when you don't like it. And then work wisely and effectively as best you possibly can with the circumstances you find yourself in and with the resources at your disposal, both inner and outer, to mitigate, to heal, redirect, and change what can be changed. I wonder if acceptance may help us shift from a place of scarcity where we focus on the ways the church in North America is seriously lacking and dying. I wonder if acceptance would help us see the ways we are growing. How often have we paused over the past few years to consider that as our numbers may be getting smaller in the sense of attendance in our buildings, our potential for reach is actually getting bigger not only as a collective body of believers, but also individually, as we are each sent from this place to engage in our hybrid communities that now make up the world, our work, schools, social media, and so on. As the church, we are not seeking to be of the world, but we do live in the world. And to be relatable again, to be a safe space of love and refuge, this may mean an acceptance of a shift in the ways that people are now engaging in these kinds of hybrid communities. I say this with as much love as possible, recognizing that this may not be what we want to hear, and change is hard. For the past 10 years, more often than not, I have found myself experiencing life through a number of online platforms and communities. This has always been a very strange and daunting world to me, and not one I would have ventured into on my own had God not placed me in these spaces that, much to my surprise, have turned out to be both life-giving and life-changing. My online journey started in 2012 when I was accepted to be part of the first cohort for Calvin Theological Seminary's Master of Divinity Distance Learning Program. That's a mouthful. <laughs> for six years, I was blessed to study from a distance in the comfort of my own home while I raised our two girls. Although I had initial concerns about this way of learning, I thought it might become isolating, it turned out to be the exact opposite. Some very significant relationships were established during my time in seminary. Somehow, having a screen and country or countries between us seemed to eliminate a lot of the barriers that many of the students and residents were experiencing. It was somehow safer to be online, to engage with others deeply, and to depend on each other for study, prayer, and encouragement. It was always fun when we met in person at the seminary each semester. Our favorite thing to do was share a meal together, visit one of Grand Rapids' local churches, and of course, nothing beats an in-person hug. Yet today, as our ministries have taken us all over North America, we are still very much connected and in deep relationships. Almost 10 years later, our denomination seminary now offers seven distance learning degrees and programs that are a hybrid of online and in-person learning. 
And this hybrid platform has brought hundreds of new people to the seminary that may not have come had the online option not been available. That was certainly true for me and many in my cohort that first year. This is just one example as we consider our present reality and the invitation from Jesus to travel with him to the ends of the earth. Perhaps many of the initiatives that the church has been forced to start during COVID as a short-term fix to an immediate problem are in fact pointing us to something more long-term and eternal. In a month, we will celebrate Christmas and God with us. Also a story about travel, where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus find themselves on quite an adventure in Bethlehem. A quick trip to pay their taxes becomes a nightmare, as Mary goes into labor miles from home, with nowhere to stay but a lowly stable and a manger for a bed. Can you imagine their Instagram and Facebook posts? Beautiful baby boy, worst trip ever. Christmas is a time that's meant to point to the assurance that we are not alone. The assurance Isaiah writes about. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up. On the first Christmas, as the people waited for a Savior, Jesus wasn't quite what they expected. A vulnerable human baby, born to live among us, then sent into the neighborhoods, revealing God with us in tangible and real ways. And from this time, the church as people have lived in hybrid communities. What began as a Jewish community focused on following Jesus has grown to a diverse body of believers that extends to the ends of the earth. And although we may fear these ideas of hybrid communities for the church, may I suggest we have been here before. And by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the church has always found ways, sometimes beautifully and sometimes with a lot of difficulty, to become a new hybrid. Hybrid is defined as a thing made by combining two different elements, a mixture. There's a variety of reasons why people worship online, many good reasons. And rather than see our communities as two separate entities, perhaps we are being nudged to see them more and more as one, being careful not to elevate one over the other, rather seeing this as a beautiful mixture, gathered and sent where the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's not about one or the other for God. It's always about both. It's a very fluid interaction that propels us forward on mission, seeing both the sending and the gathering through the same lens. Although Jesus' earthly life was cut short, his mission continues thousands of years later. Today, Jesus' followers may be the closest we've ever been to reaching every person everywhere, reflecting our God of love, often in ways that surprise us. As we grow and learn to nurture our newly formed hybrid communities, in person, online, and a mix of both, 
It's so important to remember that this is not about numbers. It's not about how many views or likes or downloads or how many people are sitting in the pew. Behind the screens, just like sitting in these seats, are real people. Many who we used to sit next to, and many new people who are seeking and feel more comfortable online. Which is why we need to be so intentional and discerning. We all know that the online world can be full of what is dark and untrue. The last few years have also shown that when we, that when we view technology as a tool, finding what Andy Crouch calls its proper place in our lives as individuals, families, and hybrid communities of all kinds, then we can also express and find light and truth in this space. And dare I say, we need more of it. We need your voice, your light, your love, and truth. When we launched Reclaim, I had a conversation with a dear friend when I was feeling particularly low and wondering if my voice really mattered. In so many ways, so much of the work we do is already out there. So what's one more person, one more voice? Why bother? And she said something to me that has stayed with me. She said, Carrie, your voice, Reclaim's voice, isn't out there yet. She's also a musician and went a step further and asked me to consider what is Reclaim's song. And this question is now on a sticky note in my office, reminding me to share Reclaim's song with Carrie's voice, because this in and of itself reflects God's love. Created by love, of love, and for love, we all have a song and a story that is unique to us and meant to be shared with God, with our neighbors, and with ourselves. Seeking to find that even in the differences, as we share our unique voices, there can still be beautiful connection and amazing flourishing. This does not negate the devastating losses we've experienced. Change is hard. The shift isn't easy. Yet it does feel like a light at the end of a tunnel a revealing once again of God's faithfulness and mission, that all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. My prayer for us and the church as a whole this morning is that we would catch a glimpse of this hope about our future, a glimpse of God's vast vision as we begin to consider collectively where God's Spirit is presently leading us as a hybrid community, reaching, moving, transforming, and inviting us to travel with Him to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. This prayer is an adaptation of Psalm 61, verses 1 to 4. <clears throat> o God, listen to our cries. Hear our prayers. From the ends of the earth, we cry to you for help as our hearts are overwhelmed. Lead us to the towering rock of safety, for you are our safe refuge, a fortress where our enemies cannot reach us. Let us live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter 
of your wings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.